This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, Stiller Nation, it's Robert Golden, and you are listening to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Striker, and today we are again blessed to have our favorite, favorite uh, sports writer come in from Homestack.com, Hunter Homestack. Hunter, how you doing, man? Favorite sports writer. Yeah, high it. praise. High <laughs> praise right off the jump, man. I'm doing really well. Really, really well after that intro. Thank you for the ego boost. That's going to carry me through the week, dude. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I know I know. we're talking personally. We got stuff going on in our lives right now. I just got a new puppy. It was on the uh, the promo vid yesterday. It's a little Vizsla puppy. A couple people have been asking. Her name is Liza, and she is nine weeks old and just starting to almost pee outside. So it's going really well for us now. <laughs> <laughs> almost. I Listen, we got we got our first dog about three years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, German Shepherd. So oh, I understand nice. the struggle of getting them to pee outside. And she still once in a while has accents because she's that stubborn. We'll get mad at you and go pee on the rug. Oh, geez. Always. She's way too smart, man. She's way too smart and way too savage with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, Steeler Nation, welcome to the podcast. Like we're saying, Hunter as well. And the first thing I just wanted to talk about quickly is we do have a promotion going on out on our Instagram page at SteelerNation.com. Uh, if it's going on until tomorrow, it's a autograph, authentic uh, Minka Fitzpatrick jersey. If you are following SteelerNation.com as well as Total Sports Entertainment and you tag three friends, you are automatically entered. So good luck, Steeler Nation. Get this awesome jersey, all thanks to uh, Total Sports Entertainment and Steeler Nation, of course, SteelerNation.com. Oh, so, that's killer. Yeah, isn't it? I, I actually under too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's cheating, man. Come on, you well, can't it's not do that. cheating, but yeah, I know if I win, I'll be like, ah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm oh, glad. It's fixed. I, I, yeah. I've actually been entering for all of them, so I haven't won yet. So it's nice. <laughs> not cheating. Well, I'm glad yet. <laughs> it's not rigged. I'm glad it's not rigged, and I'm glad that we can see that Minka is keeping 39 moving forward too. So that's cool. So exactly. everybody who already got one still in style. Great call. <laughs> Great call. Absolutely. And here's a, a, uh, a link that I'm sharing, too. It's from Antonio Brown's Twitter. Um, turns out yesterday he just announced that he is retiring. Um, he wrote specifically at this point, the risk is greater than the reward. Thank you, everyone who's been a part of this journey. I sincerely thank you for everything. Life goes on. 84. Mm. Man, <laughs> hang on. Hang on, Striker. I got something for you. All righty. 
Two seconds. Two seconds, people. It'll be worth it. <laughs> Hang on. That's why we have the visuals. This is, uh, this is, this is what makes the show fun for our YouTube subscribers. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh! He's got it. 84 jersey. Oh. Listen, AB's the man. I will fight anybody who disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you one thing, he was the best receiver I've ever seen play outside of Jerry Rice. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that his career's cut short. Um, kind of the way that he's talking about it here, saying that the risk is greater than the reward. I, I think COVID-19 is probably playing a factor into this. But uh, what are your thoughts on that, Hunter? Yeah, I, th I think for sure COVID is playing a part. And as we've seen so many other players obviously tweeting the hashtag we want to play and egging the NFL on to kind of get their crap together and really figure out a plan that's going to keep them safe and let them have a season. But AB, I think, also understands, you know, the mental, the CTE, head injury side of things at this point as well. He's not getting younger, obviously, taking these years – well, not even voluntarily taking the years off, but sitting these <laughs> years out. So he's not getting younger. Yeah. He was always, thanks to his work ethic, though, he was an incredibly reliable and not injury-prone player. You know, his body held up extremely well despite – touching the ball 8,000 times a season and getting yeah. hit 8,000 times a season. His body yeah. always held up. Yeah, it did. And, and I don't think his work ethic is going to slide. If somebody wanted to give him a chance, I would feel very comfortable putting Antonio Brown back out on the field. Hmm. The question all comes down to all the off-field stuff. How's his mind holding up? Where is he at just personally and mentally right now? He's been pretty quiet, though, over the last, you know, however many months. You haven't heard a whole lot from him. I don't know. I saw he – uh did he officially get engaged to Chelsea? I feel like they something happened there. Yeah, I did not see that exactly. The only thing I know is he just dropped uh, a video for his new his new album. So I know that's that's up. That might be a reason why this promotion is going on at the same time because he'll get a lot of hits. Makes um, a lot of sense for it. So, but I mean, he's got a career. He's got other things he can do. So he's moving on, as uh, good old Emperor Noel used to say, getting on with his life's work. So, best to him. And, and if he never comes back, you know. I hope he has a, a good life outside of that. I hope he gets his life together. I know part of the, the last ruling he had in court was he's under uh, probation for the next two years. So that'll at least help out, hopefully, with any um, – if he was uh, doing any, any alternative things because they test, test you for you know, illicit substances. For sure. I mean, it's a shame whenever you think about AB's career, where, what it could have been versus what it is now. I think what people are going to remember now is the way it fell off the way it just completely imploded. A lot of that was absolutely started and Antonio's fault. No doubt that it was a lot of self-inflicted wounds going on there. But, uh, man, you just can't deny the player he was. As far as watching him on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays, as spectacular a player as I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, and what he did in a short amount of time, too. He was close to breaking all of the Steelers' records he would have had yardage, um, you know, last year if he was still on the team and probably would have broke the receptions record this year um, for both held by Heinz Ward right now and then, you know, probably the touchdowns record, receiving touchdowns record as well, Heinz. But Heinz, my boy, still has all three of those records, still has most receptions, <laughs> most uh, yardage, and most touchdowns by steel receiver. So props to Heinz as well. I've got my jersey upstairs, but I won't put it on pause to run up and grab it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I came somewhat prepared. I had that thing stashed close by. <laughs> nice. But let's, let's talk about here. We've got another receiver we're talking about, and I'm rolling over to Brian uh, uh, Batko's um, uh, Twitter, and he's telling us about Ryan Switzer. So he stated, tweeted out yesterday that 
Ryan Switzer on Instagram Live says he's the best shape of his life at 177 pounds. I believe I will be one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. I have no doubt I'll be up there and talked about like Edelman is, like Welker was, like Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley. So that's big, big statement from Ryan Switzer, who had a terrible year last year by his standards or by anyone's standards, barely, barely any production other, outside of special teams. I mean, he's obviously very good on special teams. But what's this statement say to you? Confidence. That's the first thing I take away from this. I mean, every pro athlete is going to say something like that. Anybody in any walk of life that is at the highest level, which don't get it twisted. You guys can make Ryan Switzer jokes all you want. He's in the NFL, which the smallest of small percentages of people will ever be able to say. And he's not just in the NFL, but he's stuck at the NFL level for several years now. So he is a super high caliber athlete. And I love the trash talk on Twitter and everything. But there's, there's definitely a part of me that kind of I roll my eyes when I see it because talking crap on any athlete at that level is just it's so silly to me when, when you get to be around these guys and see the way they prepare and understand their mentality, what they put their bodies through to get and sustain at that level. Ryan Switzer is incredible. And to diminish that is just silly to me. So I love seeing the confidence. And I also love how his list gets more realistic as it goes like Edelman, eh, Welker, eh. Crowder, yeah. and then it's like Cole Beasley. It's like, all right, Cole Beasley, I can, maybe, maybe, right? It's like walking into a department store and all like the thousand dollar objects are right there when you're walking in. It's like, I wear like handbag store. I'm not buying a $5,000 handbag. Hey, this right. one over here is 500. Okay, that's way more inexpensive. Right, right. Here it's you like go, me, honey. It's like me saying, in 10 years, I'm going to be driving a Ferrari. All right, maybe a Ford Fusion. I don't know, like something. But, it's like, it but it'll have four wheels. I'm telling you that. It's going to have four wheels. <laughs> right. But, I mean, I like it. And the, and the yeah. other thing that I take away from that statement, 177, man, that's tiny. He's already yeah. Yeah. a tiny guy. Like, that's light. I worry about how his body – because he struggled with injuries last year. Yeah. And I wonder how his body's going to hold up. Maybe being a little lighter will help. In some ways, like I understand he has a small frame. He's a very small guy. I don't know what yeah. he's listed at, maybe 5'10". Yeah, but yeah, and I, I think he's actually under 5'10". I, I guarantee. I'll look that up quickly while, mean, we, while we're talking. I mean, I saw him numerous times, talked to him numerous times last year, stood beside him. He is not 5'10". <laughs> he's, a, he's a very small guy. And 177 for his frame is pretty pretty good i think that might be kind of a healthy weight you know help yeah. take some pressure off his joints and everything you see guys bulk up too much and start getting injury problems because their frame their joints and knees and everything can't support that extra weight so yeah maybe this will be good for him um I, i'm still look i kind of pull for switzer man the, yeah. the hate he gets is unjustified in my opinion like you said he was very good on special teams i think yeah. in 2018 he was like seventh and Play, played them all too he played every single special teams pretty much and it's he, and for his size, too, just, just to let you know quickly, um, he, he's actually listed as 5'8", 185. So he did okay. lose some weight. He's probably a bit faster now. Um, but he's, it's probably also muscle weight. Like, I mean, not that NFL athletes that we know that you're, if you're a receiver, you're pretty much cut and you've got low body, body fat as is. Sure. So don't know where exactly that 177 pounds is compared to his listed 185. But it'll be interesting to see, especially with Ben throwing him the ball, too, and Ben knows how to find him. I agree completely. And one thing that he is going to struggle with this year is simply finding the field. Yeah. I mean, that, that wide receiver core is pretty stacked this season. I feel yeah. like he is the fifth receiver at best. Mm. So that's going to be a challenge in and of itself. Unless he can truly separate, if he shows up to camp and is just 
this, you know, Julian Edelman slot receiver that he says, <laughs> then obviously he's going to be on the field. But yeah. until he proves that he's going to have a tough path back to the field at all, he's going to have to continue on special teams, which it's a tough job, man. For, for every uh, 10 Ryan Switzers, there's a Devin Hester. Like Devin Hester yeah. is super unique. I don't know what people think is going to happen, like what they expect out of their kick and punt returners, but Ryan Switzer is yeah. totally acceptable at that job. And he's kind of what you expect, safe, you know, reliable. You just want guys who are not going to cough the ball up and make mistakes on special teams. Um, if you get a Devin Hester, obviously, that's a huge bonus. But they're, uh, <laughs> they're more than a little rare. So Switzer well, is acceptable. And Steelers already have an all-pro uh, punt returner right now anyway because Deontay True. Johnson made second team all-pro, which everybody forgets. It's, they had that big punt return for a touchdown. Um, late in the season and had big numbers just returning the ball. As you get later in the year, obviously, it's, to me, it's always easier to return the ball because the ball's not going to travel as high or as long. And especially mm -hmm. in these cold-weather locations, like our entire division, they're going to have some shorter balls and, that, and get better returns. And that's what happened at the end of the season. And that's how, you know, DJ essentially stole a spot as, a, as an um, All-Pro. And that's right. huge. <laughs> he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but he's second-team All-Pro. Right. The concern there, of course, being if he continues developing as a receiver, do you want him back there? Kind of like this guy, Antonio Brown, obviously yep. <laughs> amazing, at, <laughs> amazing at returning punts, but he became so valuable as a receiver that it was like, eh, maybe yeah. you probably don't go back there right yeah, now. They kept him back there for a long time. They did. They really did. They took him off a kickoff. He was doing kickoff and punt return, and he was just strictly punt return. And when you're coming down to punt return, you've got – situational punts if it's inside the 20 it's not going to be a return anyway he's just trying to secure the football right um and then if it's outside of the 20 he's got a chance at a return so now it's like <laughs> that's why ab was on the field for those they weren't going to set him up for getting slammed and getting killed like no. on those on those tweener ones but yeah if it's going to be a long kick or if it's going to be a short kick um yeah that's it worked out fine because of how they used ab properly and i i honestly see them doing that with um uh, with DJ this year to see how he does. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. He needs to stay back there. Like you said, an all-pro special teamer. I mean, you, you got to yeah. stick with that. Reward yep. that. Let him know, you know, that's appreciated. And if he likes to do it, which I assume he does, let him do it. I mean, he dude's earned it. He's dynamic with the football in his hands. We saw that, you know, receiving the ball, kick returns. Get him the ball any by any means possible, in my opinion. Yeah, nice. And we got some Bud Dupree news. Uh, over here, we got uh, – he did not sign a new contract with the Steelers, uh, and that means that he is stuck to playing on the tender. So, C.J. Lester, our sports writer, let us know about that on SteelerNation.com. So, now he has to play under the franchise tag. Now, the interesting thing is, which we discussed a little bit before in an, in an earlier podcast, I think, Hunter, and that was – Will that franchise tag be as a linebacker or as a defensive end as Justin McGonigal um, uh, reported to us? So do you think he's going to win his arbitration to be listed as a you know, defensive lineman as opposed to a linebacker? Yeah, I think kind of the basis for this is what Judon did in, in Baltimore, and they kind of met somewhere in the middle, right? They said, you know, we'll give you a little bump. We're not going to pay you completely as a defensive end, but we understand that you're not a pure linebacker either. And I think I feel like there's got to be an edge designation at some point coming, right, just to avoid this altogether. I mean, if you just add a new category and call it edge and it's somewhere in the middle, yeah. that's, what, that's what all these guys are. So there's no doubt that he would qualify as that. But what's so weird to me is that Bud Dupree is like clearly 
if you just ask somebody what position does Bud Dupree say, literally nobody's going to say he's a defensive end. It's yeah. like it's not until you watch the tape that you kind of nah, all right, like I can make that case. Yeah, because he's rushing so often, but nobody like depth chart on Madden when he was drafted. He's a linebacker. Like that's just what everybody has called him forever. He's a linebacker. Yeah, and I think uh, somebody did some research. I saw on Twitter and said that sixty percent of the snaps he essentially played defensive end. So. The majority of the time, he is rushing the passer, rushing, and I don't know, man. I understand where he's coming from. Listen, I don't think this is anything, any slight on Bud at all. If I was in Bud's position, I'd be doing the same thing, especially with, you know, Shaq Barrett doing it, Judon doing it. Yeah. Do it. I mean, you deserve that extra money. Go get it. There's no problem with that. There's no doubt in my mind that the Steelers are going to try to pretend that he's a linebacker, right? But everybody knows, man. Like, he's a a pass rusher. He's an edge rusher. Like I said, I could see that that designation coming into play at some point. If they just add it, make the make the pay somewhere in between, all these guys would be fine with that, I think. Yeah, I think Edge, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Edge is the best way to say it because he's not really a true defensive end because he doesn't line up inside of the tackles. He's always lining up outside of the tackles because he needs mm-hmm. that angle to beat with this to, to beat tackles with speed and with positioning. And then of course he really improved his hand mechanics last year. Um so to say it, to call it an edge position would be the way to fix it for the entire league. Uh, but currently, you know, I, I don't see him as being able to be called a defensive end because he's not lining up inside of the tackles. Rarely is, I should say, and even straight up on a tackle. Sometimes right. he'll line up straight up on a tackle. He's never lining up to the inside of a tackle. For sure. Because uh, they're, they're always on the edge. So you, like you're <laughs> saying, that's, that's the best way to list them. Absolutely, man. And I think the Steelers kind of, I don't know if they started this. Like, I would have to check historically, but I feel like whenever they started calling Cam Hayward a defensive tackle, that kind of opened up the same can of worms because if you – again, if you watch the tape, Cam Hayward is the defensive end in the 3-4 set. It's like – yeah. but I understand because he does line up on the interior of the defensive line a lot, so they could get away with that, and then he can make the Pro Bowl, get his all-pro selections as a defensive tackle. Yeah. It's the same can of worms. I mean, it's it's literally just nomenclature at this point. We understand what role they play in the defense. It's just what you want to call it, how much that commands on the market causes a problem in a, in a franchise tender, franchise tag situation like this. So, yeah. Like I, yeah, I mean, the edge is truly the only easy answer unless they just want to file a grievance every time and then meet in the middle, which accomplishes the same thing, really. Yeah. So. I, I don't think it matters, and I don't even think Bud is sweating it at all. Like, I don't think Bud's sitting back like, oh, they need to pay me. I think he just recognizes that there's a million and a half dollars on the table, and it's going to be easy to get, so he's going to go get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. And moving on to uh, a, a no more Steeler news, we've got um, Christian Scott Williamson, and he was a player that I loved um, and always was very, very excited about his potential. Huge guy, six foot nine, two seventies. Played rugby over in uh, for the Worcester Warriors in uh, England. Um, Steelers brought him in as a developmental player. They got uh, roster exemptions for the uh, for him being on the practice squad because he was a developmental player. So the Steelers were carrying eleven players instead of ten, like for the rest of the league or most of the league that didn't have an international player on a practice squad. So he had an easy fit from all accounts. I mean, I remember I always read the diary reports from Alex Kazora over at Steeler Depot. He does an awesome job of, of uh, writing down exactly what's happening day to day in Steeler practices. And unfortunately he's not going to be there this year, but he was listing last year as 
Christian Scott, Scotland Williamson is having a really improved camp last year. He was really starting to get the blocking because as a rugby player, you don't know how to block. Mm-hmm. And he had to be taught how to block and how to use his size and get down for leverage. And he's starting to pop. And then he ended up getting hurt um, right there, I think, in the second preseason game. And then that kind of scuttled his chances and they put him back in the squad. So, you know, I, I don't know your thoughts on this. Uh, and one other interesting thing was they kind of dropped him to, to pick up Dax Raymond, who is a six foot five. 252-pound linebacker from Chicago out of Utah State. You know, this, in all intents and purposes, Dax Raymond to me seems just like a guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like he's, he's going to make a push for the roster, whereas I thought Scotland Williamson with his size and his athleticism had a chance to develop into something, into being like a third down possible receiving threat tight end. Yeah, his size is insanely intriguing. And, and again, seeing this guy in person, dude, he is a tank. He, he was a monster. When you see him, you're like, all right, this guy could make it at the NFL level just, just on his size alone. But he always had a rough road to making the team. I mean, the ask of that, it was a long shot. And everybody knew it was a long shot. It wasn't like they thought, okay, in, in yeah. three years, we really got something here. They're like, in three years, we may possibly maybe have something here yeah. Yeah. if everything aligns completely perfectly. Going from rugby to the NFL, dude, guys that play tight end their entire life and through D1 college don't make it in the NFL every year. You yeah. know? So to, yeah. to think that you're going to put those skills together in two years, rugby is similar, but it's certainly not identical and certainly not for a tight end, all the blocking and the route running that you're asking is not in rugby, of course. So yeah. he had he had a monster challenge ahead of him. And, and as you were saying, he did improve throughout camp last year, and that was very yeah. evident. I think everybody was excited about it. You know, coaches were excited about it. Christian himself was very excited about it. And he was one of, yeah. the, most, one of the most cordial guys to talk to in the locker room. I'm going to miss that personally. He was just a, a joy to be around, honestly, and, and to talk with. He – his mentality was so good. He, he always understood, like, I'm not where I need to be yet. And he was not shy about saying that. Like, he always would talk about things. If you try to point out something he did well, he would immediately counter with the things he didn't do well. And, like, that's where my focus is right now. So he's an intriguing guy. But I think anybody following the team always knew that this was kind of inevitable because it, it yeah. just wasn't there yet. I mean, hopefully another team will scoop him up and maybe he'll get another chance somewhere where the tight end – group isn't as deep because suddenly the Steelers do have a really deep tight end room you know even considering Zach Gentry and then Kevin Rader down the line yeah Williamson was Scotland Williamson was realistically the number five receiver on my depth chart so again what I mean what were the Steelers going to do here maybe let him hang around a little bit throughout camp or whatever until you absolutely had to trim him but I guess they like Dax Raymond better and I'd be lying if I said I knew a whole lot about Dax at all from what I read, he's more of a receiving tight end. So yeah. it, it seems like they're going that way with obviously Ebron coming in. Maybe yeah. they want yeah. somebody insurance if Ebron gets hurt or I don't know what they're looking for with Dax. Just it's, it's a dart throw, really. That's what it is. And that's what Williamson, <laughs> that's what William, Scotland Williamson was too. Yeah. So it's not like Dax is, is going to make a push to be the number one tight end or anything, but they like his polish a little more than Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Your dog agrees with you and I do too. Uh, the, the Steelers were obviously trying to get their own Antonio Gates, another guy that was lucky enough to never play professional football, came into the league as a basketball player, turned into an all-pro tight end. So the athleticism was there. The size was there. It just didn't work out, unfortunately. And uh, Steelers moving on. And you also mentioned a little bit earlier in our conversation today about the hashtag, we want to play. 
And that's a big thing going on right now throughout the entire NFL. And we've got, you know, players such as James Conner, just not hashtag we want to play, Vince Williams, more than 20 million Americans tapping into unemployment benefits. I'm thankful to have my job. However, everyone deserves a safe workplace. And then Eric Ebron, we want to play, but not if we're not protected. We want to know that the player's safety is important. At this point, it hasn't been a priority. We report back in a week, some sooner. And that's from Eric. And then Mike Hilton, also adding on, health and safety is most important. We need answers. J.J. Watt, the, the eldest of the Watt brothers, once again, in interest of keeping everyone, players and fans, as informed as possible, here's an updated list of what we as players know and don't know as the first group gets set to report to training camp tomorrow. So, you know, this is, it sounds like, you know, players want to play, but they are unified at making sure they're playing in a safe environment. Obviously, that's going to include a lot of testing, and it's going to include accountability and making sure that the teams are paying for players that are missing time because of COVID-19 mm-hmm. because just putting someone on IR means, or just putting someone on the inactive list what they usually do when somebody gets sick, you're on the inactive list. You don't get paid. Mm-hmm. This is a cert- this is a unique circumstance and I understand the players. And if they want to come to try to do this, if they're showing up negative and they catch it, they're catching it from there. So NFL has got to step up in that respect if they want to have the league. They have to. I mean, I love this, though, from the NFL. I love this kind of concerted effort by all these guys, including guys like J.J. Watt. I mean, how huge is he of a figure to speak out and say these things? When you have, when you have a guy like J.J. Watt, a perennial all-pro defensive player of the year kind of guy, stepping up and saying these things, I think that really means something. I mean, before I covered football, I covered MMA, like uh, UFC fighting and stuff like that. And a huge problem that fighters have, they always want to fight for fighter pay but none of them ever really get anywhere with it. And it's because they're not unified. They don't have a union. They don't stick up for one another. You never see guys like advocating for each other to get more pay or holding out to see NFL players and top level NFL players like JJ Watt, even, you know, James Conner is a big name for sure. Locally um, to see these guys all stepping forward and using the same hashtag and following the same narrative. I'm sure, you know, there's some direction behind the scenes helping them out with this. But uh, it's, it's cool to see. I, I like that they're fighting for that. I like that they're refusing to just play, to just give in and play without something in place. Yeah. It's a super hard challenge, man. The NFL, I understand the NFL is getting a lot of flack for this because everybody's like, oh, they had, you know, X number of months to plan and they still don't have anything. But it's like yeah. the situation's been so fluid. Even if they made a plan and at the end of May, it may not work now. I mean, the situation's been so different that, whatever they could have put in place at the end of May by now, a totally different plan could be necessary. So the plan has been shifting all along as our knowledge of COVID-19 has shifted and as the trends and spikes have shifted. So it it would have been hard to put a plan in place anyway, long ago, because it probably wouldn't hold up right now. So I trust that the NFL will get something together. Dude, there's a part of me, and this is going to blow your mind and probably all the listeners. There's a part of me that would love the NFL to step up and just postpone the season until next Mm. year. Just say, listen, we're not infecting anybody. We're not getting anybody hurt, possibly killed. We're going to, because what I've loved about the NFL through all of this is that they've always been the leaders from the draft, Mm. from just taking charge and saying, here is our protocol on this. Here is how we're going to handling it. We have our best people on it. If the NFL would step up and just be like, dude, 
if even one person dies, that's way too many. That That's not yeah. worth yeah. the risk for a game, and we're not going to do it. I would personally be tickled to hear that, and that's crazy because I yeah. want football as much as anybody, but yeah, I would definitely. love to see somebody <laughs> just take charge because it's getting ridiculous at this point, man. I remember hearing – I remember saying back in May on one of our podcasts – I think it was literally on one of our podcasts together. Somebody said something like, do you think we're going to have college football or pro football this year? And I said, if we're still talking about that at that time, we have bigger problems. Like if COVID is still rampant at that time, the problem is not sports. The problem is, uh, can we please stop this pandemic? Yeah. So that's how I feel about it right now. It's still, I mean, it's spiking right now in Allegheny County. It's as bad as it's been in Allegheny County. It's literally getting worse, not better. Like, what are we doing here? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to play a game at this point? And I can't believe I'm asking that question, but that's where I'm at with it right now. Yeah, and that's and it's interesting, too, because like you're saying, we're one of the few countries where it is spiking. I mean, there's no consistency across the board. All the other countries have consistency. Wear your damn masks. Wear your damn masks. This country, it's like, there's multiple ways to think about it, though. If you don't wear your mask, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the off chance that they, you know, that they do have a season this year, there is some information that did just come from the league that Albert Breer uh, shared uh, via his Twitter that I'd like to share with everybody here. And um, here's the full rundown on what the league is trying to do for COVID-19 testing entering training camp. And this came out specifically from the uh, – why is this not – of course it's not enlarging because technically – technical difficulties now. but the the interesting thing about here, there is screening that they want to go on. There's you're supposed to be screened. I think it's three days before you even show up to camp. You show up, you get screened. Then you're supposed to be quarantined either either at home or in your hotel for those three days. You show back up, you get tested. If you're good, you're go okay to come on in and start training. And then you get tested as long as the entire club is under five percent positivity. You're only going to get tested. I think it's once every seventy two three to five days. Mm -hmm. And then after that point, if you're at 5%, you have to, everybody gets tested every day in training camp. So they're trying to really at least have it set. So they know exactly who's going to be positive if they move forward with training camp. Yeah. And that's perfect. That's what it's going to take. I mean, you're going to have to be overly cautious for this to work. Absolutely. And I, I don't know why this is turning into like me talking about UFC episode, but the UFC is one of the few organizations that's continued to put on events throughout the, the entire pandemic. The UFC figured out early the way they could quarantine staff and fighters and, and have testing. And their big thing has been testing everybody. As soon as you show up, wherever the fights may be, you're getting tested like crazy. Your corner men are getting tested like crazy. Media members are getting tested like crazy. All the staff's getting tested like crazy. Yeah. That's just what it's going to take. It's going to be annoying. You know, none of the fighters or managers or anybody likes doing that by any means. And some people have tested positive and gotten pulled off the card. So you're going to have that too. There's going to be a time yeah. Yeah. during this, if, if there is an NFL season, which, you know, it is looking like there will be and they'll figure it out. Somebody's going to test positive and not be able to play. Guaranteed. That's yeah. going to happen. So plan for that for sure. And that, I mean, that's good though. Ultimately a positive test is kind of a good thing if they can catch it and quarantine them and get it taken care of versus not catching it. And then they play and end up in a pile, you know, pile up and infect five other players. Yeah. Yeah, Then that's an ideal circumstance, but maybe not for your fantasy team. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
so that maybe you got to expand the benches this year for the fantasy teams. Um, for sure. You need a COVID slot. <laughs> <laughs> so Zachary Herball, one of our sports writers, also uh, reported to us that even though the players are reporting up to the camp, it looks like fans are not going to be at, at training camp at all. Uh, Hines uh, has um, – they've come out and stated that specifically no fans at St. Vincent College, but the NFL spokesman Brian, Brian McCarthy did state via email that fans will – that the clubs may hold up to two events at their stadium, provided they adhere to all state and local guidelines. Hmm. So that, that's your only chance. And maybe it's a pep rally type thing like the Steelers usually do toward the end of training camp. Um, I mean, obviously we're going to miss Friday night lights, which we always love as um, you know, Steeler fans seeing that first hitting practice of training camp, uh, which was always high, highly, highly attended at uh, St. Vincent's. But um, one interesting thing that no one's even bothered to talk about, but I'm sure they're probably not going to do, it would be fun to have a practice just streamed. Just mm. so fans could have a chance to see it. I know that, you know, that's not going to be for every practice. You can't do that because you got people like the Patriots that just like to record everything and they just, you know, utilize that information. But uh. For fans to do like the Friday Night Lights when they're doing the goal line stuff and they're doing the red zone stuff, I mean, that stuff's just fun for fans to watch, and it's not really giving away a whole lot. Um, it's sure. just men against men. So that would be something as a fan that I would love to see, and I think that would be the only chance of any of us fans seeing anything from training camp this year. Man, that's a really cool idea, and I can't believe that I hadn't thought of it or I haven't seen more of that. You've seen so many – I've seen people holding concerts, you know, Trivium – held a full yep. concert on stage, streamed it, even sold tickets to Like they sold tickets to their live stream. <laughs> it was awesome. I, I was cool. like, this is fantastic. Like, of course, like figure out a creative way to do it. I mean, yeah. they live stream events all the time. I used to work for a company called Flow Sports and they stream wrestling, oh, yeah. grappling, raising. They yeah. stream everything. Like why yeah. there's even a flow football. So why could you not stream a practice? You absolutely can. Yeah. But like you, I love the little Patriots name. Not naming names, but <laughs> – but you know like, like the, the page you know just saying somebody <laughs> like that would probably do it but and uh, that's that's what happens when we're together i just think it up on the spot there we go Hunter. thanks <laughs> yeah, for your help <laughs> of course do it do what we can over here yeah but man that would be so fun and i mean the way streaming technology has come you could have cameras on linebackers cameras on receivers and you could flip between them you could choose like which group you want to watch at a particular time it would yeah. be really cool man that would be a really cool experience it's a lot logistically to pull off and especially having the bandwidth the wi-fi and everything to pull off mm. but Steelers could make it happen hey dropkick murphy's made it happen at uh at fenway stadium too that yep. was a hell of a show yeah and a fun one too so it's there it is possible so jordan defigio also reported and let us know that the new york giants game for that monday night football game we're supposed to have first game of the season there are going to be no fans at that game should it occur um there was a joint statement both of them are, are getting behind it stating you know we're just not going to have any fans at that first week of the game you know and it's starting to show like exactly what we were talking about before and what you were saying is we're if this is still in the conversation i mean now we're at the point we're at the end of july you know yep. we, we we pushed this conversation for two months hunter now it's the end of I july know. it's like now we're getting to the point as they've already contracted two preseason games the nflpa wants them to contract all preseason games um so you know it, we're at a point now where we're just starting to talk about can we even get this season up and off the ground yeah, it's just crazy whenever you consider all these restrictions. And that's kind of exactly where my mind went. Like, at, at what point do we say, 
if we have to do all this, what are we doing? Like, why are we even doing it? If it has to be that watered down and that diluted, that different, but at the same time, but it's like the buzzword for this time, right? It's like unprecedented times. If, and it is, it's unprecedented times, but I've gotten so tired of hearing that. But at the same time, if it's truly unprecedented times, then you have to accept unprecedented solutions. I mean, that's just how it's going to work. So it has to look, yeah. I mean, it has to look strange and it has to be different. Um, no fans in the stands week one. Boy, that sucks though, right? That just sucks. Yeah. And if you're coming, <laughs> if you're coming to a Steeler game this year, Steelers also reported that masks are mandatory at Heinz field. Thank you, Justin McGonigal for providing that information for us on Steeler Nation com, but Steeler fans, we got to get ready for it. So we got to get start buying our terrible towel masks, our or terrible masks, or with Steeler branded masks. Because if we're going to the games, we got a mask out. I mean, that's good. That that's one I'm in favor of. You need to be wearing a mask regardless, especially yeah. if you're going to be in a crowd at a football game. And I know the crowd is going to be dispersed and, and spread out. Social distancing will still be in order and everything. But I hope they make soundproof masks, man so that you can't hear anybody singing freaking renegade (laughs) (laughs) you're always against renegade (laughs) that's hilarious sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite sports teams and events and there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners bet online get in on the action for this week's big ufc fight or check out the odds on nascar formula one and the premier league can't wait for your team to come back BetOnline has futures, odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So let's start talking about the, the, the things that we always love to do on podcasts is, is uh, arguing basically on things that don't really matter. First thing I want to bring up to you that I'm not even sure if I put it on our outline, but I want to talk about some Madden ratings. Mm-hmm. Now, Madden ratings is, is one of the most fun things to talk about because a lot of Steeler fans... Steeler Nation, I know you get triggered on these uh, on these ratings. I understand it. You know, personally, I don't care because it's a video game, but it it is always fun to argue the points on how they were rated. And I want to bring up a couple big ones. Obviously, the highest rated um, players on the Steelers. We have two players that were rated at a ninety or higher. One was David DeCastro at a ninety-one. Cameron Hayward at a ninety. Fine ratings. You know, next one rating would be two at 87, Minka Fitzpatrick and Stefan Tuitt. Uh, Marcus Pouncey and Juju Smith-Schuster, as well as TJ Watt, were all given Heinz Ward number of, of 86. Uh, Eric Ebron was given an 84, hasn't even played for us yet. Joe Hayden at an 83. And Alejandro Villanueva at 82. Interesting, interesting thing, though, and something that a lot of Steeler fans are very upset about is... Ben Roethlisberger is not in the top 10. He's not even in, I think he's at 81, I think is his rating, but he's not in the top 10. So I, I haven't followed this at all. I'll be honest. I, I, I have the Madden, whichever one it is with Antonio Brown on the cover. I have that. I quite literally played it once. And in the fourth quarter of the game that I played, it froze. And I'm like, done with this. I don't need Madden anymore. And that's the last time I've played Madden. So I have not followed along at all, but just from what you've told me, that's absurd. That's absurd. 
how I, I don't even know where to start with that. Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> being in 81 is by far the most absurd part because I understand like Madden ratings are not necessarily a reflection of how good the player actually is. It's simply they rate them in various categories and then, you know, there's some algorithm that chugs those numbers in and spits out the overall. Yeah. What is Ben Roethlisberger low in that he comes out in 81 overall? Like, I don't understand how you can do that. The only way I can play this as a devil's advocate is Ben Roethlisberger played a game and a half last season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, his, his whole body of work, when you take it into the account of statistics for past season and uh, more interceptions and touchdowns, things like that, yeah, you, you down check him a little bit for that. But the, the issue that C.J. Lester brought up on our site is do you even take stats into consideration when rating players? So now I'm going to have a fun game for you here, Hunter. So and you guys at Steeler Nation, grab your pen and paper. We're going to play at home. This is a fun one. I'm going to give you two players. Okay. And we're going to figure out, you know, thank, thank you very much, CJ, too, for, for, for really painting the picture because he really puts the fine point on this argument. So player A has 58 combined tackles. 46 solo, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, seven passes defensed, five interceptions, and no touchdowns. Player B has 69 combined tackles, 44 solo, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, nine passes defensed, also has five interceptions, and two touchdowns. So looking at these numbers, which player would you think is the better player? And, you know, to me, looking at the numbers, they're still fairly – even you know one had two touchdowns as opposed to uh, zero touchdowns it looks like one had uh, 69 tackles as opposed to 58 tackles so and two more passes defense but they're relatively relatively uh, pretty close to each other sure. so so well, well first off I'm pretty sure I recognize player B's stat line yeah, yeah. I know who that is <laughs> so they're they're comparing him to obviously somebody that I assume is rated higher than him but actually yes. performed worse. So, no, go, go yeah. ahead. No, no. I, I want you to say who you think it is because this is the fun part of the game. Minka is player B. You and, got it. And he outperformed whoever player A is who is probably, I don't know, Harrison Smith. I don't know. Uh, yeah. One of the top safeties. So he was – Devin McCourty is the highest-ranked ah, safety in the game yeah. at a okay. 92, um, whereas player B is the first-team All-Pro. Minka Fitzpatrick was an 87 overall rating is, and is the seventh – highest ranking for a free safety it's just silly man that's just (laughs) like you said do they even consider stats and one thing i thought of i saw circulating on twitter as well that gronk was like a 95 overall yeah so for your argument about ben being that he played a game and a half then how does what happened with gronk then how's he a 95 (laughs) yeah yeah i mean but and that's exactly it. He took a year off. The guy's injury prone like a madman. I mean, who yeah. knows what he's going to do this year. But Joe Hayden came to, to Minka's aid uh, in a tweet, and he says, if Minka isn't on your top safeties, your football court card should be taken immediately. Do Dude, you absolutely. watch tape? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You definitely don't. TJ, honestly, in that list you gave me, man, TJ Watt being an 86 might be the most egregious rating of all. We're going to get to that one. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the next game. Player A and player B. Player A, 55 tackles, 35 solo. 14 and a half sacks, eight forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, 36 quarterback hits, eight passes defensed, two interceptions, and 14 TFLs, tackles for mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. Player B, 47 combined tackles, 40 solo, eight and a half sacks, 
five forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, 14 quarterback hits, four passes defensed, no interceptions, eight tackles for a loss. 14 quarterback hits versus 36. Yep. Think 36 is when you said that, that's such an absurd number. Think as a, think as a quarterback knowing TJ Watt's going to hit me at least twice today. That's going to happen. I'm going to get hit twice by (laughs) TJ Watt today. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous average. Um, Obviously TJ Watt's stat line last season was just absurd and always easily could have been defensive player of the year in my eyes. I don't necessarily have a problem with him not winning it because he was very solidly in the conversation. You're yeah. splitting hairs once you get to that super elite level. So it's all right. He was in the conversation as, as he should have been as defensive player of the year. Yep. Whoever player B is there. I assume it's like Vaughn Miller or Khalil <laughs> Mack or somebody. One of the you, big you, names. You had it like, right with the second, your second nice. case. Khalil Mack. A is obviously TJ Watt. Uh, B is Khalil Mack. And you, like we're saying too, quarterback hits are not sacks. Right. So, right. TJ Watt's getting to you three times a game because he's sacking <laughs> you once and he's going to hit you twice. <laughs> That's but, absurd. But Khalil Mack was the highest rated outside linebacker on Madden this year at a 97 overall, <sighs> whereas they listed TJ Watt as an 86. That's 11, percent, 11 Madden points behind or, or performance point, whatever it's called, yeah, Madden yeah. points, whatever. That's a huge behind. But that's, that's just absolutely asinine according to uh, asinine according to (laughs) cj lester and i agree with you completely cj man it's just like how can you be 11 rated 11 points below somebody when you've outperformed them on quarterback hits tackles for loss sacks passes defense interceptions and it's not even close yeah it's not even close the only their only thing that's close and he still has more more tackles and more combined tackles more and more solo tackles than Oh, no. Actually, Khalil Mack has five more solo tackles than T.J. Watt. That's the only difference. So, evidently, they they rate solo tackles as being – That's what they care about. As two percentage points each. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I would love love to hear the Madden developers actually talk about this. I think it's a really interesting conversation, actually. It's really silly on the surface, but I would honestly love to know – what goes into this? Because like like we're saying throughout this, the McCordy and Minka is pretty close. Like that one was close, but this one is a that's a blowout. Like there's no yeah. doubt. Yes. And I, I understand maybe body of work plays into it to a degree. And Khalil Mack is obviously an elite uh, edge rusher, but he's not 11 points better than T.J. Watt at no. this stage in his career. I don't think he's better than T.J. Watt at all. At I don't think he's better than T.J. Watt so, today. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. So I just don't. I would love to know what the rating and I don't know, man. If TJ Watt just not being at least a 90 is just the craziest, craziest. Yeah. One last example for us. One last game to play, Steeler Nation. Hunter, you ready? Let's do it. All right. Player A, 83 combined tackles, 51 solo, nine sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, 23 quarterback hits, six pass defensed, and 11 TFLs. Mm-hmm. Player B, 56 combined tackles, 37 solo, Six and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, 25 quarterback hits, one pass defense, and 10 tackles for a loss. So do you know, do you have an idea on who you think this position is for player A or player B? Um, Yeah, I think it's uh, Cam Hayward. You got it. Is the Steeler involved, but I have no idea who they're comparing. This one's close, though. I'll say when you're going through the numbers, like this one is closer. This is more like McCordy and Minko where I can probably live with it. Yeah. Um, it's, and, not, it's not a blowout, but no. Cam Cam edges whoever. Cam, yeah, Cam's <laughs> definitely got more tackles, more sacks, which are the nine sacks to six yeah. and a half. 
He's got less forced fumbles, one to two. Both have the same amount of fumble recoveries and two less quarterback hits. He has six more passes, five more passes defense than one more TFL. He's got like 30 more tackles than the guy, though. That's the insane thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's it's true. 12, or sorry, 15 more solos. So, you know, this is what it come down to Kalias Campbell, who's rated mm. as a 95 overall. What? That's like almost to, perfect. Yeah, it compared, yeah, compared to Cam Haywards, who's rated at a 90. So, once again, it's a, just another dis, a stat disparity for whatever metric they're using. Like, I can understand if a lot of their metrics are speed involved and they say, well, well this guy gets to point A to point B. And so, like, he's got that kind of explosion, so that stat's a 10. And he's got this type of re- read recognition, so that stat's a 10. So, I understand when you're picking stuff apart. But when you have the whole sum of their parts to be able to get the type of statistics and you start looking at the differences in players for the statistics that they put out, yeah. It's not even close. I mean, it's not, yeah, even, yeah. It, it's it. We, we just, we, like you're saying, like they're in the room, like, Hey guys, I, I think Leo Max is the best linebacker ever. I know. <laughs> I, just, I really want to know. 95. Man, I'm like super curious what goes into this because in these examples specifically, yeah. e- even understanding like they break it down. Okay. Speed, strength, whatever, pass rushing. I, I don't, like I said, I haven't played Madden in so long. I don't re- even remember what the, categories are but i remember there being yeah. categories yes and like, it's different for each position too right I right have like hands and like all sorts of other things and other positions sure yeah. but like the three Steelers that we just talked about tj minka and cam hayward like yeah what hole are you poking in their game like what stat did minka not have that brought him down to an right uh, age <laughs> like do they <laughs> like, I, I don't understand that he he's elite like whatever yeah. category you want to use Minka literally has no weaknesses in my eyes from a no. stats perspective. So yeah, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And the last thing mentioned, like you, you mentioned earlier was Rob Kronkowski is rated as a 95 and that's, you know, insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Insane. It, I tweeted that actually, if, if Gronk's a 95, then George Kittle needs to be like a 137. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's something else. But either way, but thank you so much, CJ Lester, for letting us talk about that. And now we move on to what we always love to do, and that's talk about top 10 lists. The best. The best. <laughs> Which is always the most fun to do. So our top 10 list this week comes to us from uh, – now i got to find my, my screen so I can put this up for us too. I downsize everything, so it makes it tough for me to find everything. So here we go. So the top 10 list this week is coming to us from Zachary Herball, uh, SteelerNation.com. And fortunately, we get to talk about the top 10 wide receivers. So All right, Zach. number 10 is already shown there on the board. He listed Plexco Burris as his number 10 receiver. Obviously, the biggest, tallest receiver to ever play. Uh, didn't play his whole career uh, in Pittsburgh, but did get a Super Bowl with the Giants and had a big touchdown catch and was the reason why that team won the game. So, you know, kudos to Plexico there. I always saw him as the shortest six foot five receiver in the league. I thought he had great size, but he jumped like a, he had like a two inch vertical when he jumped. So he was good at, at attacking the ball. He was a good receiver, very memorable. What are your thoughts on Plexico? Yeah, man, he, he was very good. Super high draft pick. And obviously that's always going to come with its own set of expectations and pressure and all of that. So he lived up to it in my eyes. You know, I don't think anybody considers Plaxico a bad draft pick. And no. in, in this city, that's a huge win because you know how, <laughs> how ruthless, how ruthless Steelers fans can be with their draft picks. So, especially being a first rounder, especially being a first rounder. So Plaxico lived up to that, which, which almost says it all. He had a, like you said, very good career. 
In my yeah. mind, I'm trying to run through who's going to be above him in my mind. Ten feels about right for Plaxico. He yeah. was he he would have been higher had he simply played here longer. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But but obviously you can't count his time with the Giants. So he did come back for that little like uh, cameo season towards the end of his career. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And they got hurt. I think he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. Reason, yeah so. so he never ended up playing, which would suck. But yeah, it's been fun to see Ben throwing throwing bombs to him again. Absolutely. And, and that's that's a really good point too. Plaxico providing. You know, Tommy Maddox providing in that transition phase before Ben a target, yeah. a good receiving target. He was very important during that time. So, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. Mexico, he's kind of the man. I always liked him. Good. <laughs> Number nine on the list. We've got somebody currently on the team, and th- this is interesting to me. So, this yes, is, uh, is Juju Smith Schuster. Obviously, he's got great talent. He had a st- setback last year, but he's still only 23 years old entering his fourth year Mm -hmm. so this is some pretty pretty cool stuff and uh, you know i love having juju on the team he's another big guy actually plays big slot as opposed to playing uh, on the edge like plexico did um so but you know obviously love the guy as a human being personally i think it's a little early to put him on this list but you know it's you're you're splitting hairs if you're talking about you know other receivers but which i'll talk about later that were i think may have been snubbed but you know i can't argue with juju being on this list dude i kind of like I like him being on the list. I just – if you're going to put him there, I feel like he has to be 10. Like, yeah, you have to just recognize we're putting you on the list because we see the potential in you. And what – I mean, he had the best rookie season ever by a Steelers receiver. So, yeah. that that's something. And then he followed it up with an even better season. Yeah. So, no doubt. I mean, no doubt. If you just count those two seasons, that, that puts him in the top 10 Steelers receivers of all time. But you got to see a little more longevity than we have seen from him. And I'm firmly in the camp that Juju's going to be just fine this season moving forward. Whether or not he stays in Pittsburgh beyond, you know, gets re-signed, that's a totally different conversation. But I feel like as far as what he's done on the field so far, definitely a top 10 talent. Now he just needs to go prove it, you know, a little more. Number eight on the list. Uh, some of you probably already saw that because I didn't have my screen set the right size. But Mike Wallace mm. popping on here from and he was he he was shot out of a cannon when he first started with the Steelers. I always loved Mike Tomlin's quote of the guy, you know, calling him a one trick pony. But if your trick is getting open, getting deep, and getting touchdowns, that's a nice trick to have. <laughs> it's a decent <laughs> trick for yeah. a receiver to have in their and, bag, I guess. Yeah, and he was absolutely killed. He, he was the shortest person I've ever played our Z, Z position, which is the, the same position that Plexico Burris played, and that's the guy that's supposed to extend the defense on the, on the right, usually on the right-hand side of the field, and just extend the defense, pull back the safeties. And he's still blowing by everybody, and he was still – even that size, even though he was short, he was just blowing by them with speed and yeah. getting to the ball and making excellent catches. He was exactly what they wanted him to be, and he was obviously a very good receiver. As part of that young yeah. money crew, you know him, yep. A.B., and, and Emmanuel Sanders, yep. he, he was the best one for a stretch. For a he, pun- he, yep. was, he was for sure the top dog of that group. And they, they are all, obviously, A.B. did what A.B. did, and Emmanuel yeah. Sanders did what he did away yeah. from Pittsburgh. They were all very good receivers. Yes, they and were. Mike, Mike Wallace was by far the best for a stretch. There was no question was. about it. So I feel like people maybe forget how good Mike Wallace was because of everything after he left the Steelers. He was never quite that good again. Yeah. So it's easy to forget. But, man, if you run back that tape, Mike Wallace was a beast. Yeah, years two and three up for him, he was just undefendable. 
I mean, yeah, it seemed, it seemed like year four, he played a little bit more timid his, his last year, I guess, because he was going to be a free agent or I don't know. Sometimes people say that happens uh, to receivers, but it just didn't seem like he was the same player in his last year. He was still productive, mm-hmm. but he, he didn't, he was really fought for those balls in, in the seasons two and three after fighting to get on the field his first season. And he was a big part for that big Super Bowl run too for uh, 2010. And as you know, obviously Ben trying to feed him the ball there too, as we sure. were right there at the end of the game to keep the, keep the clock going. But, you know, he's, I, I can't fault Mike Wallace for being on this list because he had all the potential in the world. He really Absolutely. did. And they, they, Steelers offered him the contract first. They're like, sure. we want to make yeah. you the, all, the, the longest term Steeler. He's like, nah, that's not enough money for me. So Steelers gave that contract to AB yep. while he yep. was on the roster. <laughs> and it's like, that was just like the Steelers saying, hey, you don't want to take that contract. We'll give it to AB. And fortunately, it worked out that way because if Wallace took that contract, we wouldn't have kept AB. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. So number that brings us to number seven on our list, Santonio Holmes. And I always loved this pick. And it's one of the few times where we moved up in the draft to grab somebody. And that first time that I remember it was moving up to grab Polamalu. Then a few years later, they moved up to grab Santonio Holmes. And though, you know, Santonio Holmes is not – a Hall of Famer, he was a game breaker. And yeah. I just went back and I watched some Santonio San Holmes highlights just to refresh myself. And there were so many plays that he would make that only he could make. I remember him winning the overtime game, which was Coward's last game in Cincinnati on that 90-some yard catch in overtime, catch and run, to, give, to let Coward walk off the field as a, as a winning coach for his yeah. career. And, and that, was, you know, that's, that was an awesome moment. The, him winning Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowl MVP was a great moment. I thought Ben should have been the MVP of that game, but I honestly think that Santonio San Holmes was the reason that the Steelers got to the Super Bowl. He had a big play and a big touchdown in every game. I remember that really tight game against Baltimore. Ben is back and trying to run around and scramble. He finds Santonio, San who jumps back across the defender to get the ball and then weaves his way 50 yards for a touchdown. Again, yep. and then, you know, we play in that Baltimore defense. It's impossible to score on that defense. And that was that play changed the game. And Absolutely. then in, next week when they were playing San Diego, he had a huge punt return, ran the punt back for a touchdown, and that changed that game. So, like, the, you know, San Diego had to be more aggressive, which meant our defense could be more aggressive, and that they just couldn't come back at that point. So kudos to San Antonio Holmes. I, you know, I remember as, as being a very, very productive guy, super talented, super athletic. Yeah, I mean, you said everything pretty much that I would have wanted to say about Santonio. Everybody remembers the catch in Super Bowl forty-three, but that entire drive was Santonio. Like, if you watch back the entire, there was one catch that was not Santonio. Well, there you go. There was one. Nate Washington had one catch on that drive, but you're right. Santonio, Santonio Holmes had all of the rest of the catches on that drive, including the touchdown. He's just, he was super clutch for whatever reason. You always hear about people being clutch players or having yeah. the clutch gene, which I, I still don't really know how I feel about that. But there are guys who show up in big moments, and that was absolutely Santonio. It was very reliable when it mattered. He never had the gaudy, ridiculous stats. He was always very good. And yeah. obviously the way his career ended in Pittsburgh was strange. Yeah. It was yeah. very strange, and that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But just based on his postseason performance he's got to be on this list and yeah. seven feels cool and it, and it was interesting because i think we got a fifth round pick when we traded him to uh the jets and 
that fifth rounder was then used to trade the following year to the Cardinals for Brian McFadden in exchange for their sixth rounder. And that sixth rounder we used to draft Antonio Brown. That's hilarious. Really interesting way that that came around and through. That's awesome. (laughs) So next one on the list here at number six, this is a guy I grew up with. Now this is my era. Yeah. And this is Lewis lips sinks ships. Lewis lips (laughs) was the man on a terrible team. Obviously, I mean, he, he was the, the, one of the few bright spots. I mean, look at his numbers. Uh, he got AP Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, he had 358 um, catches, 6,000 yards, and 39 touchdowns in six years. I mean, it, that, those, are, those are big, big numbers for back then, especially when it was more of a running, running game and running attack. And, and he was fun to watch. He was explosive. And if the Steelers would have actually gotten Dan Marino paired with that guy, I mean, that, you wouldn't have even known who Duper and, and <laughs> the other guy was. I always forget who the other guy is with Duper, uh, his receivers over there in Miami. But they would have been second fiddle because Lewis Lips was legit. He had the legit package. Size, yeah. speed, hands, knew how to attack the ball. You mentioning Lips and Marino teamed up is just unfair. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that to our listeners. But Lips was, Lips was a guy before my time for sure. I've only seen him on highlights yeah. Uh, I understand his game, and I've heard people talk about him, including my dad, you know, letting me know that he, like you said, he was basically the bright spot during that time. Like, yeah. Lips was absolutely elite, unquestionably. So the stats show that, the tape shows that, mm-hmm. no doubt, one of the best to ever wear the black and gold. Yes. Number five on the list. I know we're going to start getting to some high known players now. Buddy Dial, this is the old school throw in. Now, his stats are impressive because you have to take into account that this is a running league. I mean, they only run the football, and, this, and they were only playing like 12 games a year. Yeah. And he, had, he still had multiple seasons, multiple thousand-yard seasons. That's impossible in that era to do. That's, you know, that's, that's why he was so renowned for his ability and what he did. Four straight seasons with 40-plus catches and over 950 yards, two times pro bowler. So – one of the forgotten players on the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think he's well-deserved for being on this list. Dude, absolutely. I mean, I, I've been on a different podcast with uh, Chris Carter, uh, Locked on Steelers, and we do like this wide receiver fantasy draft. And I took Buddy Dial in like the third or fourth round, and, and uh. I, I was arguing that he was better than Lynn Swan. So I'll save, <laughs> nice. I'll save that argument because I'm not going to win any fans here with that. <laughs> but – I'm just saying the argument can be made. Like you said, the amount of games they played, the stats he put up, statistically, statistically, Buddy Dial was better than Lynn Swan. Like, yeah. you can't, it's just the numbers bear it out. You can't deny that. Lynn Swan, you'd be surprised. You go back, I know everybody, Lynn Swan, obvious Hall of Famer, did all the great things, won all the Super Bowls, you yeah. know, made the catches in the Super Bowl. I understand. Yes. Yes. Nobody's going to question that. Yes. But simply statistically, Lynn Swan is super underwhelming when you go back and yeah. look. He, he, he has, like, the lowest statistics of any receiver to make the Hall of Fame. Yes. And, again, like Santonio, would show up when it mattered, and nobody yes. would ever question that. His big yep. playability, big catchability, off the charts. But Buddy Dial, as far as being consistent at, in a time, like you said, hmm. whenever receiving was not what it is today by any means. I mean, a 1,000-yard season back then was like, you're really doing something. Yes. You're really doing something. Yes. And Buddy Dial was there or right on the cusp of that multiple times with – you know, the crap team, the crappy Steelers teams of that time. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Buddy Dow's career is really, really good. If you're not super familiar with it, highly recommend you go back. Check him, yeah. yeah. Read go up on him. Yep. Yeah. 
Cool. Number four on the list. I know we're going to be getting to this to the players that we all know and everybody that's going to be either Hall of Famers or mentioned in the word as being possible Hall of Famers one day. We'll see who they who who number four Zach decided to throw on, and it's Antonio Brown. I'm out. I'm leaving. Leaving. <laughs> well, I know he's number one on your list. Who wrote this? Wait, which guy wrote this? Who do I, 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 need I, think, I think this one's Zach. Hang on a second. Zach. Because I don't want to. I don't want to flip up and down. I'll just. I'll just find it right here. Yeah, Zach. Zach. Yeah, Zach. Herbal. Zach. I, I, I'm going to flame you, Zach. I'm going to flame you on Twitter for sure. <laughs> this is absurd, Zach. This is absurd, man. No. Well, here, no. here you go. Like honestly, <laughs> he's number two all time on the Steelers for yardage touchdowns and receptions though you know he's got four of the top five or four of the top six best seasons ever by a Steelers receiver um he was just undefendable for that the period between 2013-2018 where he had you know was at five or six straight over 100 yard catch seasons I mean the, the guy was just honestly watching Antonio Brown play and fortunately I got to grow up in the Louis Lips era because I also watched a butt ton of Ray Rice or sorry, no freaking Jerry Rice uh, I was gonna say, yeah, wrong Rice <laughs> wrong Rice people yeah that's the way my brain works but Jerry Rice it was my like default playoff team I used to watch because the Pittsburgh didn't make a whole lot of playoffs back then so I was a big fan of the of the 49ers back then watched a ton of ton of Jerry Rice but you know, right now where we're at, Antonio Brown's only peer, in my opinion, was Jerry Rice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, statistically, we've seen so many stats. If you if you just judge it over, you know, whatever specific period of time, five-year stretch, A.B. had the best stretch of all time, including Rice. And I just saw a stat the other day as well that through their first nine seasons in the league, having at least, you know, 11,000 yards, 800 catches, whatever the numbers were, it was A.B., Megatron, and Jerry Rice. Those are the only people to ever do it. And keep in mind, that's with A.B. barely playing his first first season, first season and a half. So A.B. statistically, complete monster. I mean, what A.B. did is completely ridiculous. I think if he had a ring and if his time in Pittsburgh didn't end the way it did, obvious number one. He's, he's an obvious number one on this list for me anyway. Oh. Like, there's not even a question to me ab is one of the top five receivers to ever play the game period yeah and i mean how that's number one in steelers also there's nobody else even close in the conference as good as uh, who i assume is number one as good as Hines is it was he we're not talking about Hines as a top five receiver of all time we're talking about Hines as maybe a hall of famer so yeah yeah, I don't know about that, man. AB <laughs> AB at four. AB at four, Zach. You're you're snubbing Mr. Big Chest here. <laughs> Put some respect on Ronald Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So now we're now we've got to be getting up to the Hall of Famers. So yep. it's who you like better, and he's gonna list number three as Lynn Swan, the guy that we were talking about. Obviously, biggest benefit of the televised football era he was uh you know uh, he, he also did ballet and he looked like a a master ballet artist in the air jumping catching twisting his body in ways that only he could come down with those footballs and man was it beautiful to watch especially like you were stating earlier on the biggest stages the levitation catch against um the the dallas cowboys is one that that is etched in all of all of the steelers fandom you see that highlight all the time a beautiful beautiful grab 
And then he had that monster game also where I think he had on four catches, it was like 140 yards and two touchdowns to yeah. be the, the uh, MVP of the one game that he was the MVP of. But what a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Uh, that he truly had. was. Yeah. Yep. And I don't want people to think I don't like Lynn Swan or something. Like, there's no doubt he's, he's a Hall of Famer and he's on this list. He's a Steelers legend. No doubt. But putting him above A.B. and even for me, Buddy Dial, just feels a little weird just statistically. I mean, he had a short career, too. That's one thing about Swan as well. He didn't really play yeah. that long. Um, like you said, I mean, the, the big plays, they don't win Super Bowls without Lynn Swan. He was absolutely – a clutch part of that, yeah. a necessary part of that, which yeah. matters. I'm not saying that doesn't matter by any means. He won bigger things than AB ever did or ever will. So there's that too. <laughs> that is true. So now we got to number two all time on the list, and that should be, well, we'll see who it is. John Stallworth. There we go. That's the guy. I mean, they were both drafted the same year, two Hall of Famers in the same year, and that epic Hall of Fame draft also getting – Lambert also getting Webster also getting uh, dude that they just put in this year as an undrafted rookie free agent. Um, who's the, 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 the safety that's just coming in. Donnie Shell. Donnie Shell. My gosh, brain fart. Hell of a draft. Two great wide receivers. John Stallworth obviously had all of the Steelers records uh, until this new era where they kind of opened up the football and, and passing game a little bit more, but, hell of a talent always reliable always making the tough catches and just never seemed to drop a ball or make a mistake oh man john stallworth for me is everything that lynn swan wasn't and again i'm not trying to just make this the rip on lynn swan episode but he had the longevity the consistency everything about john stallworth was exactly what those steelers teams needed just consistent yardage production. He was there. He was Mr. Reliable. He was tough. He played forever, had a very long career. Um, I actually got the chance to talk to John Stallworth last year during the Rams home game. They had a lot of the old Steelers players there in celebration of that winning 75 team. Um, John Stallworth was awesome to talk to, man. He, and I asked him about some of his records getting surpassed by Hines and A.B. and how he felt about that. He kind of smirked, smiled, and said, you know, how much the game's changed and things like that. But he's very proud of his records, no doubt very proud of what he did, feels a certain way about it, and they're all well-earned. I mean, there's a case to be made that John Stallworth is the best receiver in Steelers history when you, when you adjust for how the game changed. So he definitely has a point there, how much they yeah. throw the ball now, threw the ball to Hines and A.B. Stallworth, though, for me – Everybody says, you know, I, this article even says that if there was 2A and 2B, it'd be Stallworth and Swan. For me, man, Stallworth is a clear tier above Swan. I'm with you there. Absolutely with you there, especially since they played in the same area together. And that brings to the number one, which for me, I, I think it's going to be my all-time favorite receiver, me being a receiver, me loving receivers. This guy just epitomized not only everything it is to be a receiver, but to be a receiver in the city of Pittsburgh, and that is number one, Heinz Ward. You know, for him, we knew he was a, a great receiver. Like, he started off – actually, the Steelers weren't even giving him a chance to be the receiver. He was kind of like – they got him in the third round. They knew he was an athletic quarterback uh, and, and slot guy and, and slap back and receiver down there in Georgia – and then they brought him in, and he played a ton of special teams because the guy was a monster and loves to hit. Mm -hmm. And then they just started getting on the field, and he started performing well, but then they kept drafting guys. They're like, okay, well, let's get Troy Edwards because 
We don't Why have not? receivers. <laughs> yeah. And then Troy Edwards, like he, he ended up being a bad first round pick. Mm-hmm. And then they end up getting Plexico Burris not long after that too. But they're always trying to draft the receivers without knowing that Heinz Ward was the guy. But by year three, Heinz Ward was like, I'm the guy. Yeah. And he, and first off he, when he's getting on the field and just decleating people in the running game, because that was the biggest, when the Steelers started off with Heinz Ward, they had, they were a running attack game. They were, it was with Bettis. They were, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust and Heinz was making all of the tough catches on third downs to extend the, extend drives, extend chains and to, and to get them in the end zone, man. Cause he's the all time leader in receptions thousand for the Steelers. 12,000 receiving yardage and 85 touchdowns. I mean, that's saying a lot. That's, those are, you know, Hall of Fame minimum numbers, in my opinion, once you get over the, the Mendoza line for 1,000 catches and 10,000 receiving yards. Yep. You've got to be in a conversation. Yeah, man, I definitely agree. And I think very much like John Stallworth, Heinz Ward did a lot of stuff that was underappreciated. Everybody knows about his blocking, obviously, so I'm not necessarily talking about that, but more so talking about the consistency. It's I think people under, underestimate how hard it is to succeed at the NFL level and succeed year over year consistently the way that he did. Never being flashy. You know, Hines was not a flashy guy's blocks. I'm yeah. sure his highlights are more blocks than huge catches. You know, the catch in the Super Bowl, of course, notwithstanding. And I'm not saying that Hines didn't make clutch catches, but he wasn't Lynn Swan. He doesn't pop off the film like, oh, my God, how did Hines Ward do that? Yeah. He was just always there, always reliable, very John Stallworth in that way. Um, dude, nobody doesn't love Hines that loves the Steelers. The smiling, the, <laughs> I know. the attitude, he would decleat you and smile about it. He would get popped and smile <laughs> about it. Like, he's probably – right there, he's probably smiling on the way down. I think he was. I think he yes. was – like, that's completely ridiculous. He was just <laughs> – he was so tough, so reliable, so much, like you said, embodied Pittsburgh, the city, which nobody loves that more than Pittsburgh. It's just a tough dude that you could rely upon. Yeah. Uh, listen, I still do think AB is clearly a better receiver than Heinz Ward, mm-hmm. but I, I can understand putting Heinz above AB, but I cannot, Zach, see AB any lower than number two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I completely agree with your argument there. I think just as in what they are now – you know, I, I think A.B. and Hines would have been able to compete with those 70 teams and, and play in the 70s. I, I, but I also think that Swan and Stallworth could compete and play in the, the wide open era that we're at now. I see that's so that's like a because they were super athletic guys back yeah. when, you know, Steelers were just when teams were just drafting receivers to be like an extension blocker and right. maybe get a couple balls thrown in their way a game. Yeah. So. Hines was. He was more athletic, I think, than most people remember. Um, there was that – there was a clip of him hurdling a player. It looked like a Broncos right here. player. <laughs> and he, he was literally smiling midair the entire time, just <laughs> smiling away. But like you said, he was a fantastic special teamer yeah. and definitely had more athleticism than he's remembered for, especially towards the end of his career. He became more just kind of that reliable third down catch, move the chains kind of guy. But he, yeah. he, he was a game breaker earlier on, and, and there's that. Of course. Yes, this is Literally. this is what you know him for. It's right. it's making he was he changed the game and the fact that they had to make a new rule because of it because he was hitting players too hard on crackbacks yep. after interceptions that he was killing people and even yep. on blocking plays. So this guy changed the game in that respect that when he went out on the field and we were at our biggest high point of the Ravens Steelers rivalry. They were talking – their 
their dominant defense, toughest defense in the league, was talking about our wide receiver. Yeah. And yeah. had their head on a swivel because of a wide receiver, which opened up the running lanes, which yep. opened up passing lanes. And then when he got when he when he hit you, he depleted you. He Absolutely. made you look foolish. He wrecked sharp, sharper, and he wrecked uh, Ed Reed. He he hit. He came and hit uh, Ray Lewis a few times pretty well too. But I mean, just highlight reels of him just really, really making huge hits on. Hall of Fame defenders that now are complaining about how, how difficult it is to play against this aggressive, overly aggressive wide receiver, which is something you never hear in the game. Oh, absolutely, man. I highly recommend anybody watching this who hasn't seen it. There's a video on YouTube of Heinz Ward and Ed Reed recently riding around in a car and just talking, <laughs> talking about their careers. It's really cool to hear them talk shop and that mutual respect yeah. they had for one another. And it's a cool insight into the competitor's mind and who Heinz Ward was as a competitor. You know, he was consistently voted one of the dirtiest players in the league, which to some players would be, that's a huge compliment. Badge of courage. If you play within the rules, if they think you're dirty, all that means is this dude is playing super hard and hurting me. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what that means. So... <laughs> And yeah. I got to show you my jersey now. There you and I'm go. Put on mine. There you go. Don't leave me hanging. You've got to <laughs> tie it in. It looks like a Super Bowl jersey, too. Look yeah. at that. Signed. Signed. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I was lucky enough to have him sign it at training camp the one time. Just me showing up as a fan. This is way before my Steeler Nation days of uh, reporting and uh, podcasting and all that. But, man, is, is he just a – a cool guy and just embodies that hard nose work ethic of what it is to be a, a, a Pittsburgh Steeler. And we as fans, I know, love him because of it. That's killer, man. That is, that's really cool. That's a cool <laughs> little – It's listen, putting Hines number one on the list, I certainly don't have any problems with that. I was yeah. you know, somewhat playing up the A-B stuff, even though I definitely feel and, – and even Zach probably agrees talent-wise he was the best unquestionably. Um, <laughs> Two names I want to throw in just yes. for fun. See how okay, good, good, them. good, because I wanted to talk about something. Right, there you go. Great. There you go. You're probably going to go more, more old school on me just given our generations. But the guy yeah. – th this is a ridiculous pick. Okay. I want to just let you guys know. But Martavis Bryant. Martavis Bryant. Wow. I know. I know. One of the most talented receivers I've ever seen play the game. If he yeah. could have simply got his head on straight – seen the field i have no question he would be on this list the dude he, he was an could, absolute game breaker absolute athlete absolute athlete and unfortunately he liked recreational marijuana a little bit more than playing football and yeah. it, that that's taken you know josh gordon another talent like, who's a hall of fame level talent that had his career you know severely hamstrung because of the the uh substance abuse um uh rules in the nfl for the love of marijuana so a, a defense dealing with martavis and ab and Le'Veon bell that that was yeah. truly the killer bees were pretty unfair and it's a shame one of the great injustices of being a steelers fan is never seeing them on the field together for a yes. period of time that's crazy yeah. it's it's absolutely crazy but the second name that i'll throw in doesn't deserve to be on the list right now but deontay johnson will be on that list oh that that's a good call i mean i love deontay johnson's game I'm, i hope he makes this list one day um i'm going the other way we we mentioned this guy a little earlier it's still a guy that you know too but probably got downgraded just for the fact that he didn't finish his season or finish his career and play as much as a Pittsburgh Steeler. And that's Emmanuel Sanders. Oh yeah. The absolutely. guy's a phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. And, and to get those receivers, they got Emmanuel Sanders and 
uh, Brown in the same draft. Mm-hmm. So Emmanuel Sanders, I think, was like second or third round, and then they picked up Brown in the sixth. Yeah. So that's just phenomenal talent. If they would have been able to keep the Young Money crew together longer, I think that they probably could have gotten a, a Super Bowl together. But, yeah. you know, finances, everybody needs to make money. Young Money's got to start making big money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They went for greener pastures, and that's right. the way it goes sometimes, man. The coolest, thing, the coolest thing about those guys was it started to represent kind of that philosophy shift, too, and the kind of receivers they were looking for. Mike Wallace, not so much. Mike Wallace was absolutely a burner, game-breaker. Yeah. But Emmanuel Sanders and A.B. both played that very precise route-running possession-based yep. game. And then yep. being quick and shifty with the ball in their hands, which is mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson. Deontay team. Johnson, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love, I just love seeing the trends in the NFL, the kind of receivers you're looking for. And then funny enough, they go right back to Chase Claypool this year, which is the huge, fast, yes. mega athlete. So it's yep. funny to see them break the mold now the other way. Maybe they feel they have enough Deontay Johnsons on the team. And now, okay, let's kind of supplement it with a little uh, size and speed. Yeah. One other, one other player I have to mention, and this isn't – you're pretty young when this guy was playing, but Yancey Thigpen is a guy oh, that at yeah. least needs to be mentioned um, because he was the, the main receiver when the Steelers made the Super Bowl in, 90, in 95. He was also that transition player that they had as a receiver to help out a young Cordell Stewart find his way and really was the safety valve – for a not super accurate Cordell Stewart, but Yancey just kept making plays for him. Yeah. And yeah. I absolutely loved, loved, loved Yancey Thigpen as a receiver. And I didn't get that hole in my heart fixed until uh, Heinz Ward became a receiver. So that nice. was, that was the, the, the biggest uh, change for me. But I loved me some Yancey. Had some good years also with uh, Tennessee after he left. Or the sure. Oilers. Maybe it might have been the Houston Oilers back then. I forget. Uh, but it was at the Oilers, and um, but he was a, a hell of a hell of a receiver, and I would honestly have him in the top ten, probably nice. over Plexco, probably over Juju at this point. Um, but that's for me personally, getting to watch him in his career. Yeah, well, you'll like this man. That's funny if you're a Yancey guy. Um, my sister lives down in Charlotte, North Carolina, right outside Huntersville, North Carolina, and we were down visiting her maybe two summers ago. We were getting an Uber to go somewhere. Our Uber driver picked us up. We were just making small talk with her. And she, you know, where are you guys from? And we, I said, we're from Pittsburgh, just down here visiting my sister. She lives down this area. And she said, oh, are you a Steelers fan? And I said, yeah, yeah, I love the Steelers. Grew up watching the Steelers, everything. She said, do you know Yancey Thigpen? And I said, well, yeah, I know Yancey Thigpen. Like, he was a little before my time, but I definitely know who he is. You know, I've done my homework. I, I definitely know the name. And she goes, well, I'm his sister. Wow. And I was like, what? Like, so like Yancey Thigpen's sister apparently drives Uber in North Carolina and picked oh, us up cool. and drove us. So we talked That's about cool. Steelers and Yancey stories from there. Oh. But yeah, yeah, it was really cool to hear. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, just a, a great guy. But Hunter, once again, man, anytime we get together, time flies. We have a blast. Yeah. Always fun to talk top 10. Always fun to talk Steelers with you. And uh, so, you know, I know we'll be seeing you real soon. You know, Steeler Nation, reach out to him. Check out his website right there. If you're in the vidcast, you can see it over his right shoulder. Hunter Homestek at homestek.com. That's H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K.com. Twitter and Instagram at Hunter A. Homestek. And Hunter, like we said, anytime you are welcome on our show, man. We love having you. For sure, dude. Let's run it back very soon. Maybe I'll bust out a different jersey next time. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go. Let Zach know that he messed up that list, though. I gotta get on that. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. It's gonna be fun. And I found an SI article too with the, with the top ten list that they did last 
year on steel receivers, which is also a really, really good list. But I think they put your boy at number two on that. There one. we go. That's <laughs> better. That's better. And they remembered Yancey in that one too. So nice. That <laughs> All right. All right. All right, guys. So, so we'll see you real soon then, Hunter. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Thanks. And Steeler Nation, make sure to come on over to SteelerNation.com for the best football forum and Steelers news on the internet. Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Thank you for joining us on the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by, by no one because we don't have a sponsor right now. This is an old, old copy. This is great. <laughs> but I am your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.